It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850, he wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. And now, without further ado... Hello, Doctor. Good morning. How are you? It was a rough ride out here. Couldn't see a quarter of a mile in front of me. Now, I'm looking out the window, and quite frankly, I can't see the back fence. Yeah, it's it's. It thick. just must have come in pretty quick, all of a sudden, well, all quickly. all the way from Burley to here. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, is the camera on me, Zeb? The camera is on you, okay. and uh, we can see all the smiling features, and you're holding up a present for me. So, I want proof that I... <laughs> Proof that I gave you a signed copy of my book. I am honored, and as a dear friend, for how many years have we worked together? About 15. Oh, my goodness. I figure I've done about 750 shows. With me with on this program. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I am honored. And I, oh, to Zeb and Deanne, thank you for your friendship and help. Hope you enjoy the book, Ken Turner, Doctor History. You know, this means more to me than you'll ever know. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm very proud, and I'm going to start reading it tonight. And number two, you have created more of an incentive for me to get up off my Good. dead you-know-what and get to work and finish my book. Well, I there's a dedication in there, Zeb, and you'll read it uh, in the book. And anyway, I'll well, just leave I appreciate it at that. that. God bless you. Uh, now that it's all over, quickly just tell me this. Yeah. It's all over. It's printed. I've got my copy on my desk and everything. What are your thoughts about writing this book? You know, it was a labor of love. I enjoyed doing it. It was, I can't tell you how many times I would uh, sweat over a paragraph trying to get the words just right and uh, the feeling just right and sometimes it flowed and sometimes I just would sweat over little details to, because I wanted it to be historically accurate time wise 
Did you climb off into a room all by yourself and in an eight by ten room, or did you go outside? No, I, I have a den uh, which has all my books, all my references to all the podcasts. I see. And so, time and time again, I would refer back to a book or a podcast or one of my one of the things that I've done again because, well, just for an example, my character uh, at one point he wakes up with a gun pointed at his head, and he's being arrested as Was a, he a radio talk show host. Of- he was <laughs> a gun pointed at his head, uh, and he's being arrested as a horse thief. Ooh. And I, in the book, originally I put that he had a Colt forty-five uh, pressed against his uh, temple, and that was eighteen sixty-eight. Well, my editor caught that the book, the Colt forty-five, didn't come out till eighteen seventy-three. And so she caught that, and so we changed it from a Colt forty-five to just a Colt revolver. You know, you've touched on something, and I don't want to take away from your program, but the reason I like having you on the show so much is we really try to stay within ourselves and the stories that you tell and keep it as absolutely true to the time as possible. Right. And it's too bad that Hollywood movies didn't do the same right. thing. And, and, you know, as hard as we tried, my editor and I, to get everything just right in the book, there will probably be a few things that maybe somebody will notice that maybe isn't quite exactly right. But we went through that. We edited it probably six times. Let me ask you one last question. After everything's done and the cover's on the book, what about the sales right now? It's on Amazon. And so, folks, go to my webpage at dr-history.com, and there's a link. You just click on that link, and it'll take you right to Amazon to where you can get the book. And if you do buy it on Amazon, be sure when you get done to write a review, good, bad, or indifferent, and stars, you know, one through five stars, whatever you think, because reviews are what sell books. Absolutely. And we'll keep plugging that on this program. I appreciate that. Last thought, are you glad you did it? You know, I do. I, I, I am glad. And, uh... I I have sold it around here. I put it in uh, like a child's world, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Mad River Laser, the Declo Country Store, and I appreciate those people who are willing to take this book and and help distribute it around this area because there's a lot of references to this area in the book. Has Oprah called? Uh, you know, I haven't returned her call yet. <laughs> what are we going to do this morning? Well, you know, uh, a lot of people wonder about how the Native Americans got to North and South America. And when, how did they originate? How did they get here? And uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about some theories, I guess, as to how they came to be in North America. Oh. Now, I, I uh, to preface. Did, did they take an Uber? Uh, yeah, they did several times. <laughs> I just finished reading an article about uh, the Vikings who, uh, according to scientists, actually came here probably uh Several hundred years or so before uh, before Columbus, and when they got here, the Native Americans were here. Right. So there's uh, theories about the Vikings coming to to the north northeastern America, up in like Canada and that area, Newfoundland and New Brunswick. What about the thought that a lot of the Eskimo heritage, <coughs> heritage came down south into this continent? Well, from... we'll kind of talk about that. Okay. The, some of the theories, right. you know. From the very first arrival of Europeans in the Western Hemisphere, the whites were just amazed at what they saw and wondered, where did it all come from? Who were the people of these Indian nations, and where did they originate? So, 
scholars, generations of scholars and scientists, they've spent lifetimes trying to prove that the Indians were descendants of seafaring Phoenicians or Chinese or Egyptians or one of the lost ten tribes hmm. or Welshmen or even survivors of, of the legendary lost city of Atlantis. So there, there's a lot of theories out there. But the question of their origin has never puzzled most of the Indian nations. Uh, all human societies have possessed versions of their own beginnings, and the Indians of North America haven't been any different. So stories of natural or supernatural creation on their own land or of coming from another lower world or of migration from elsewhere have existed among all Indian tribes. And these Indian tribes, this is a sacred thing for them as to where they came from and how they got here and their land. And so it's a spiritual thing. Let me ask you a question there. And you made a comment on one program not too long ago. The problem we have with looking back at their history there's nothing written down. Right, exactly. So it's word of mouth, and, and that's unfortunate. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But so, for example, among the Nez Perce uh, and other Indian people of the, of the Northwest, Generations of grandparents, we just said, told children stories of a time when the world was inhabited only by animals, all of whom spoke like humans and had human-like characteristics. Now, living uh, by one of the waterways was a fierce monster who kept all the other animals in fear by eating them. Finally, the bold... Yeah, that would keep me in fear. Yeah, finally, the bold (laughs) and courageous coyote, coyote... Which I, I question that, but the, the coyote, the tribe's culture hero, jumped down the monster's throat and killed him by sawing up his heart with flint. When the monster was dead, the coyote cut its body into small pieces, creating from each part a different tribe. In each case, the group telling the story related that it had sprung from the monster's heart or blood, which made it the bravest and the wisest and the best of the tribe.
tribes. Boy, they came up with some wild yeah. thoughts. Didn't so they? that's the Nez Perce yeah. kind of yeah. theirs. Now, we head to the desert southwest, the Hopi, the Zuni, the Pueblo descendants, which are descendants of the Anasazi, which we know disappeared, and we have no idea why or how. Are they also related to the Apache? Um, I'm not sure about that. But the Anasazi were predated these people, and, you know, they disappeared, and we don't know why. Uh So, you know, they have a sacred origin story. Some of them tell of the emergence of their people through a hole known as a sipapu from an underground lake. Others relate in great detail the climb of their ancestors toward perfection through three underworlds. Hmm. So all of them tell of migrations to the sites that became their homes in this world. So they all say, okay, this is where we came from, but the land we're on now, that this is our land. Okay. And it came through whatever, supernatural ways or whatever, but this is our land where we are now. Did you ever read the novel by Louis L'Amour called The Third Dimension? I, I have not. Get it. Read it. As a matter of fact, if I can find it on these bookshelves where there's 10,000 books, it's all about that third dimension the Indians believe they evolved from. Yeah. You'd love uh, it. I mean, it's amazing, the, the stories that were handed down. So we can see why, you know, when the whites started coming in onto their land they've had for centuries, I guess. Yeah. But the most common origin stories, however, uh, illustrate a close spiritual bond between the Native Americans and all of creation within their universe. The creator, the master of life, the great spirit, Wakantanka, whatever terms the, the, the Native American groups used, according to them, breathed life into humans. Do you think, in your opinion, Dr. History, that the early Indian tribes had a semblance of Christianity without knowing it was Christianity? Does that make sense to you? I think they did, but they just didn't know what to call it. Okay. Now, uh, here's a quote. Uh, It says, My strength, my blood is from the fish, from the roots and berries and game. And this came from a Yakima Indian guy. He said, I did not come here. I was put here by the Creator. Now, isn't that an interesting, you know, the Creator, whatever their definition of the Creator was. So there is a spiritual uh, element to this yeah, whole thing. Yeah. Now, at the same time, a uh, the Taos Pueblo elders told their young people, quote, when earth was still young and giants still roamed the land, a great sickness came upon them. All of them died except for a small boy. One day, while he was playing, a snake bit him. The boy cried and cried. The blood came out, and finally he died. With his tears, our lakes became. With his blood, the red clay became. With his body, our mountains became. And that was how Earth became. Boy, their concepts are really amazing. So they had their own idea of how the Earth was created, and the mountains, and the rivers, and the lakes. Wow. So, but, you know, most tribes believe that the people of their nation were created on their land, and their land, where they were created, was the center of the world. And they didn't have anything as far as uh, hieroglyphics or anything on cave walls? Well, you you know, there are, uh, uh, what do you call it, petroglyphs. Petroglyphs, yeah. Uh, And and so that that is probably the only writing that we have from back then. And I've seen some of those. So it was carried down generation to generation by word of mouth. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they figured where they were. That was the center of the world for them and their people. And uh, anyway, one gave life to the other. And to keep that attachment in balance and harmony by proper conduct and thoughts, 
lest it harm the people's well-being. So they had a a sense of right and wrong. So there was a morality there. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, as might be expected, uh, uh, traditional uh, tribal versions of the Indians' origins differ, you know, from the beliefs of modern-day scientists. I mean, the scientists have tried to figure out uh, themselves uh and still are far, far from possessing any of the answers. Uh, it, it, but, well, you and I talked about that, wasn't it, a week ago? The absolute re- No, it was uh, with uh, Pastor Alex Lissau. I said that it's ridiculous that a whole human uh, civil- civilization and society believes in a theory of Darwinism, and it's just a theory from one man. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's assumed that humans did not evolve here as they did on other continents. And this is where science kind of steps in a little. But they arrived in the Western Hemisphere after the development of modern man. Most of the scientists and scholars uh, agreed that the Indians came in one or more migrations from Eastern Asia, crossing a land bridge to Alaska that appeared from time to time during ice ages, you know, across the Bering Strait. So that's a theory. Wow. All right. How and, far would that have been? Oh, gosh. Do you have any idea? Know. Between Alaska. Yeah. Well, and then, depending on the ice, you know, they would put an ice bridge. So, uh, who knows? I, I don't know how many miles And I wonder would what would make or motivate them to make that move. That migration. Yeah. yeah. And it, who knows? Could have been tribal warfare. Could have been needing food. Who knows? But, you know, so far, scientists do not agree on much more, including the date of the arrival of the first migrants from Asia, if they did. It's thought that the land bridge across what is now the Bering Strait existed somewhere between 70,000 and 30,000 years ago. And during any of these periods, small bands of Asian hunters and their families following herds of mastodons and other game animals across the land bridge or along its coast could have reached Alaska. All right. All that is known definitely is that people were living in all parts of North and South America by at least 12,000 years ago, uh, before the time of Egypt and all that, Phoenicia, China, Israel. Before any of that was known, they figured that, that these migrations had taken place. Hmm. So the, the American Indians, the, the Incas, maybe the Aztecs, all those, the theory is that maybe they did come across, uh, as I said, maybe chasing mastodons or animals uh, for food. Uh, again, there's just a lot we just don't know. Wow. So, And uh, when you take off on a journey like that and you think <laughs> there weren't any 7-Elevens to stop and get yeah. groceries or anything, yeah. that was tough. Well, and we've talked about how tough it is in Alaska now. Oh, my. Know? Yeah. But, you know, whether the ancestors of the Indian nations came in one wave or in separate movements at different times during the Ice Age, once they entered Alaska, uh, they and their descendants continued to hunt the mastodons. Do they find skeletal remains up there at all? Do you know? You know, they have found them. Uh, up in Alaska? You know, I'm not sure where all across the country they found them. But I think they found them clear down here in the States. In this, uh, you know, I'm not sure where. Uh, for some reason, I think Montana or Wyoming. Or, oh, I see. But I'm not sure. But, you know, they continued to hunt the big game animals, uh, killing them in group attacks with spears, clubs, and spear-throwing shafts they called addle addles. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. The Anasazi, I believe, were the ones that... Uh, that we know use the addle addle, but they lived by fishing and gathering wild foods. Uh, gradually, they moved with the animals along the ice-free routes on the Alaskan coast up 
the Yukon, and then they started heading south along the chains of the Rocky Mountains. I mean, he just figures they would go where the weather was better, right? Yeah, really. So eventually reaching the tundra and the forest environments, the, the band spread toward the Atlantic coast and to Central and South America. And uh, there's a book I've got. It's called 500 Nations. And it talks about the 500 Indian tribes that were here when Columbus got here. And unfortunately, due to disease and one thing or another, you know, a lot of those tribes were completely wiped out. Uh, and we have nothing of them anymore. I wonder what the difference in tribes was in regards to more civilized uh, knowledge about how to hunt fish and build a, a home, a hut, whatever. Well, I, I believe they gradually improved and learned better and better things. We know from uh, the things that I've studied about their medicine that they had some things that uh, the white people did not have when they came here. And a lot of times the Indian medicine helped save lives of some of the immigrants. I wonder if they had a dentist. Uh, you know, that's a good question. But here, here's something to think about. Uh, they have found skulls with uh, perfectly uh, excised pieces of bone that have been taken off and sewed back on to the skull. Seriously. And they have found uh, uh, that there are obsidian or flint knives that are sharper sharper than scalpels wow that so there was a knowledge of surgery and and stitching uh, suturing uh, of things so sometimes when we think of regression actually it was progression yeah and they were amazing so you know in their movements the people often sheltered themselves you know in caves or underneath overhanging overhanging rocks but it would be wrong to think of them as cavemen basically yeah. physically they were fully developed modern people intelligent sensitive they had this spiritual impulse that bound them uh, under a common creator as we have mentioned to their natural surroundings and to the various plant and animal sources of their food and in material uh, in a material way they were also more advanced than is generally thought as i mentioned about the surgery they their chip stone tools weapons utensils were among the most efficient in the world at the time in addition they were good at fashioning clothing and basketry sandals painting various possessions and making personal jewelry and religious objects from stone, horns, bones, walrus tusks, ivory, shells, and other natural materials. And they didn't waste anything. No, they did not. Uh, you know, we've talked about the buffalo. There was not one bit of the buffalo that got wasted, not mm. one bit. Um, you know, their population at first was kind of sparse here, and and there the bands came in contact with one another. They combined, they divided into new groups, or they drove others into maybe areas that weren't as hospitable. Um, so there was, there was warfare that took place. But the Ice Age came to an end, the great glaciers receded, and the earth was reformed. So now we've got tundra, we've got evergreen forests, and... Uh, the the glaciers moved north following the, the glaciers. Uh, so we had the plains and the plateaus. And then you get down into South America, the jungles in Mexico and wow. the woodlands. And It's know. hard to imagine that maybe your ancestors were chasing mastodons. Yeah. Wow. True. It's really interesting. It's fascinating to I, me. I, I, I wish a, I had a... Uh, 
I wish I could go back in time and just watch a video. In time machine and just see them. Yeah, no kidding. How they lived, how they got together, their customs, the like marriages and births and uh, deaths and the things yeah. that they went through. So. I got to run. We're out of time, but uh, boy, that is fascinating. And uh, are you going to do more on that next week? You know, I do have a little more that we could maybe continue. I'll see what I've got. I, okay. I'm almost done, but there may be more that we can talk. Ladies and gentlemen, before I let him go, I want to remind you, first of all, Dr. History is brought to you by, and we're very appreciative, Burley Veterinary Hospital, Dr. Scott Morley and his staff. These are wonderful people that care, underline that word care, about your animals, large and small, and they take care of them all. They are your family veterinarian, and they're located at 2869 Overland in Burley, 678-5509. Don't forget, Burley Veterinary Veterinary Hospital bringing you Dr. History and the book called Coal Miner to Cowboy, written by Ken Turner. Get it, read it, enjoy it, and I'm proud to have a copy right here on my desk. God bless you, man. Thanks.